If you look at the state of the church in China, Africa, India, things are doing well. If you look in the state of the church of North America, things are not doing well. We have got to call Christian CEOs back to be what God intends them to be, which is a pastor in their company. Now, I don't mean by that they're supposed to preach a sermon, but I mean by that they shouldn't hide their faith under a bushel when they are running their companies. Welcome to WorkWise, the growth mindset for wisdom at work. And I'm Ken Kennard, and joining me is my co-host, Michael Boyce. And today we discuss what's driving our interest in the topics we choose on the podcast, like creativity, caring for people, diversity, and how we treat each other as we work. This discussion harkens back to uh, some of our previous episodes, like the ones on collaboration with Chip Roper. In this discussion, we wanted to explore this idea of aligning what we do at work with what we believe about work. It's, it's aligning our faith with our work that has us on this journey toward a proper view of what work is. So we invited a special guest to help us get some clarity on this topic. So here we are again at the new year, Mike. We are here at the new year. Work-wise, feels like we're we're kind of like thawing out from the holidays, you know, getting back into the swing of things. Time for something new. I'm I'm trying to find some wisdom and some work in the new year. <laughs> we could use some wisdom. This we year. we have, and, I, and and I think we might have a guest who who can bring us the wisdom. Yeah. What do you so think? why don't you introduce our guest? Oh, fantastic. Well, Ken, today we have we have a friend of mine who is, is a Greg Leith, and Greg Leith uh, is one of those guys that you and I take great interest in. He is one of those people who has been, uh, for his whole career, really trying to figure out this idea of how does a Christian business person lead an integrated life? In other words, uh, are they spiritual on one side and a business person on their side? And he's been doing a lot of things for a lot of years to help people say, well, you know what? Really, we have one life. And spiritual is in and through it all. So uh, right now, currently, he is the CEO of Convene, uh, but he's done a lot of things in his career. He was the director of strategic alliances at Biola University, a place that you know very well. Woo. Yeah, he's, he was there. Uh, he was with Arrow Leadership for a, a while, trying to help uh, the, uh, leaders all over the marginal leaders all over the world figure out what it means to lead. And he was also at a very familiar organization that it's familiar to many of us, uh, Service Master. And he really helped Service Master kind of build a, the the market. In, in Canada, all over Canada, especially in the healthcare industry. So he's been in academia, he's been in, in a for-profits business, he's been in non-profit business, and he's been really throughout the whole thing helping leaders develop and figure out what it means to lead as Christian businessmen. And so I am very glad to have Greg with us. Greg, welcome to our podcast. Well, hi, Ken, and hi, Mike, from Southern California, uh, where there's no fires today. We're happy about that. Ah. <laughs> um, thanks for the intro. Really, you're right. My life is about one thing. If I could synthesize all of it down, it's about strengthening the great Christian leaders of our time, both in ministry and business, to exponentially expand the kingdom. Basically, how would you boil that down, as my friend Lori Beth Jones says, to it being on a T-shirt and the answer is 100x. We, we want to take that parable that Jesus talked about where he said 100x is good. And we want to help 
Christian business leaders to live 100x lives. That's what I'm about. 100x lives. Now, I'm already inspired. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm already and inspired. And I'm intrigued. How do you do yeah. that? And I think that, you know, Ken, Ken and I have been we're doing this podcast for about two years, I think it is now, Ken. And increasingly, I think that is the thing that we have been drawn to, that we have we've been worked, worked towards. Um, and I know for me, I have been doing leadership de- development work for about 25 years. And over the course of the last 10 years, I have just been really drawn to this idea of um, the reality that um, leadership development is largely about character development. Uh, and we talk about building our character and changing our character. For me, and what I believe is that it's a pretty hard thing to do without Christ at the center of that, without Christ working there with you. And so if I had, I've had an increasing desire um, to, to work with Christians to be the best business people out there uh, and to get the best business results and the best kingdom results. And so for me, this idea of, of faith and work as an integrated thing uh, is just something that I've been drawn to more and more. Um, Ken, I know you, you too have had some a journey, have been on the journey with us too. What's what's been your attraction to this? Well, I think that we all can identify with what happens when what we believe and what we do are not in sync or not integrated. There's a disintegration there. It, uh, it, a simple example would be if you believe in going green and recycling, and yet you dump a bunch of paper into the trash can instead of the recycling bin. Something happens right there in that interaction. As small as that example may sound, something happens inside that you know that the action you're taking is not in line with what you believe, which actually questions, well, do you really believe it? Right. Like what's really going on there? Because how is it that your actions wouldn't follow your beliefs? And so what's gotten me curious uh, and, and motivated is that when we're, when we're living an integrated way, where what we believe is what we act on, it's so much easier and more powerful and there's just this natural energy and momentum that comes from that. You, mm-hmm. you, you may have a hard day, but you have a good hard day right. when you know that the thing that you're working towards is what you really believe is happening. And right. so I've been um, curious and learning and, and seeking out the wisdom of people who are doing that well and helping other leaders to do that well. And I'm excited to hear more from, from Greg because yeah. he's been on that same journey, it sounds right. like. Right, and so it's it's uh, living with integrity. Yeah. Right. So, so Greg, um, a few years ago, you you uh, made the decision to uh, take the helm of Convene. Can you tell us about that that choice and and what you're doing there now? Sure, I'd be happy to. Uh, you know, basically, about 20 years ago, I was sitting in my vehicle uh, looking across a river at a forest fire at a condo we were staying at. I was safe, but the mountain was on fire. And I saw these firemen uh, kind of in trouble until the helicopter came and it would drop this red fire retardant stuff all over the mountain. And the firemen would wave at the helicopter, obviously saying, thanks, you really helped me out. And I realized at that moment and wrote down in my journal that God had me there for a reason at that minute. And that that moment was him saying to me, I want you to be that helicopter to CEOs who are trying to do the things that Ken was just talking about, trying to be 
good and and do right things, but they didn't really know how. I mean, after all, when we look at the faith work movement, it was only in the 70s and 80s that it really began to emerge, that first famous book, Your Work Matters to God. And then we were all running around to navigator seminars trying to figure out what does this all mean. Uh, But still today, if you look at the state of America, you've got, what, 450,000 churches, Bill Hybels was saying the other day. You've got about 175,000 Christian CEOs, and there's less and less people going to church. And Mm -hmm. everybody, lest I missed my guess, most everybody got up today and went to work, (laughs) except for kids and people who are unemployed and maybe moms who we would say are not – Uh, vocationally in the workplace. I'm talking about the people who are at a place of work led by a leader. And there's hundreds of thousands of Christian CEOs, about 175,000, that aren't yet well prepared to be the pastor to the marketplace that God has really called them to do. Yeah. And so, so these guys went to school for business. They were trained in business, um, but they weren't trained to be pastors. Oh. Yeah, not not a stitch of a class on the theology of work. Uh, still, maybe like me, uh, maybe like you guys, there I was sitting in church in, uh, oh, let's say 1985, 1990, and I was called up to the front as a deacon to lay hands on the missionary who was going to leave to go to Africa. And then I would walk out the door quickly because I couldn't stay for the service because I had to catch a plane to go to work to be there Monday morning across the continent. So I felt like when I grew up and figured it all out, I too could be a missionary and go to Africa. Or I too could join Campus Crusade and show the Jesus film somewhere. All of which are good things. But I had a misaligned uh, understanding of the theology of work where God says, when you do the work I gifted you to do, you glorify me. And so when I make a good table, when I do a great Excel spreadsheet, when I uh, uh, love an employee, when I paint a wall, when I uh, create a strategic plan, that in and of itself, period, full stop, glorifies God. I do not need to get out my checkbook and write a check to a nonprofit in order to be more loved by God. So there's a big shift there when uh, first of all thinking that the sup- the the great pinnacle the the one percenters of the Christian faith the super Christians are the ones that are missionaries everybody else is basically there to earn money to pay uh, to donate and keep them going uh, from that mindset to a mindset where um, Christians are really being missional at work really uh, glorifying God and loving God and serving God by doing the thing they're equipped to do uh, and not feeling uh, guilty and less than that they aren't um, doing something that... But but if you look at the way the church treats... Uh, I mean, what's funny about your story about laying hands on the missionary to Africa is when when does the church lay hands on the construction worker or the person who just got a degree, an MBA, and is going out to be a finance director somewhere or something? Yeah, well, the short answer to that is nowhere. It, it doesn't happen. There are, I, I would say, on a good day, 100 churches in America who've done that. Uh, 
uh, if you promise not to tell anybody, we're probably going to do that at the Convene Summit in Newport Beach in May. We're going to say to the people who are there, we want to commission you to the mission of business. What we're saying here is that God created each of us with a special purpose. And he equipped us before time began. He knew how he's going to equip us to be certain people, to have certain gifts, and to give us a purpose and to give us a direction. And when we fulfill that by doing spreadsheets, by counseling people, by painting a wall, that we are fulfilling, God, in a way, God's plan for us. He gifted us to expre- express our, our creativity, to express our productivity uh, in that way, in the beginning, God created, and if, and a few verses later, we're told that we are made in the image of God. We're all creators. We're doing what we are made to do, and when we do that as unto the Lord, we glorify Him. We don't need to always be sharing the gospel in other ways. This is part of sharing the gospel. It's taking joy and pleasure in the work we do. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And that's um, what at Service Master, we used to call that uh, giving people the dignity of work. And so yeah. if you are a service worker in a healthcare institution uh, and you mop floors and make beds or empty trash or fix biomedical equipment or prepare spaghetti for the people who work at the hospital, that work you do is work that honors and glorifies God. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the, 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 the interesting bow to tie on this from what you said, Mike. Um, if we as leaders don't understand this particular element of the theology of work, that uh, God is creative, therefore he made people creative, uh, therefore when they create, they imitate God. Now, guess what we do wrong sometimes? As leaders, we go to our graphic designer and we say, please change this and this and this and this and this because I want it to look like this and this and this and this. And so they do exactly what we tell them. We create a paradigm, kind of an implicit bargain that says, I can't create stuff because every time I put the font size like this and the color like this, my boss changes it. What's actually happening? Forget about the fact if anybody's Christian in this deal. But in this little two-way transaction, a boss and a graphic designer, if you keep taking away their ability to create, you actually took away their ability to reflect the image of God back to their creator. And, and, to, and, to, and to feel the glory of God in it. You know? yep. And what's interesting is that um, you know, a couple years ago, I, I, I realized that all this stuff that we've been talking about in terms of employee engagement for the last 15 years— it's all right there in Genesis. Yeah. It's right there. God tells us what it takes for a person to engage in their work by what he has done and what he's given to Adam and Eve. Right. I have a follow-up to that, uh, Greg. I'm just wondering what you think a healthy relationship is between a boss and a creative when there might be a difference of vision of how that thing should look. Like, How do you, how do you imagine a healthy interaction going there? Yeah. So I think there's a number of things in play if we use that as a little microcosm. Uh, there, is a, there is a great funny book that creatives enjoy reading. It's called Orbiting the Giant Hairball. It's really, <laughs> it, it's, it's them having to figure out 
how do they how do they live and move and breathe and act in a place that is structured right that is not artistic mm-hmm. and um, sometimes we as business leaders and theologians like to mess up um, what creatives can create and so here's here's a few thoughts number one if the graphic designer is created in the image of God I think they should be able to create but that doesn't mean that everything they do is good and acceptable to the boss. So I think the boss should have a right to say, assuming they're good also at what they do, is, you know, that's a beautiful document, but actually the way you've placed the title with vertical letters one on top of each other is very hard to read. Readability is important, so let's make them horizontal, not vertical. Or red kind of screams out to me that this is kind of a troubled document, I think blue would create more of a peaceful document. So I think it's okay for a leader to say what they think. Um, And maybe if you have a graphic designer that never gets it, you maybe need a new. (laughs) If you have the right person in each position where they are kind of uh, what a friend of mine, Steve Bell, a musician calls mutual othering, where they are saying, I love what you're doing. And the other person says, oh, I love what you're doing. I'm listening to you. Oh, no, I'm listening to you. You come to a, a really good conclusion. And I think that speaks to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really high on this employee engagement and Genesis thing. And one of the things that we, we know is that relationship and work, having, having uh, connections and important relationships um, is very important. Uh, we know that collaboration produces new things, and the essence of collaboration is two people coming together to create something new. In the beginning, right, God created them in his image, and his image we created them, it says, that even Jesus created things. Yeah, and also he said rule and reign, right? He put them in charge of taking care of the garden. Yeah. So. I mean, it's not, it's not, they're not creating in the abstract or just creative sitting around in a tower. It, it, they're working with the world yeah. and, and uh, how that interplay works between the boss and the creative is, is what a lot of people are figuring out every right. day. Right. And so that's, you know, there's, there's a, the, that's where, you know, some of us talk about, you know, what does it mean to love one another in the workplace? Um, and how do, how do I, how do I love you through this? I was, I was coming over to the studio this morning, uh, this afternoon, and I was listening to an interview with, um, with John Harbaugh, the, the coach of the Ravens, and we just lost the opportunity to be in the playoffs. And everyone has questions about, is he going to be fired? And he's talking about the relationship uh, and the conversations he has with Steve Biscotti, the owner, and how they argue and how they listen to one another and how they fight through and make this team together. Um, and I think that's that's how creatives and people do it together, right? Yeah, and I think that, um, you know, creatives want to know, what they want from the boss is they want to know that calm and cool for this document was one of the values. Mm-hmm. They don't want the boss to grab the paintbrush and dip it in the blue and spread the blue all over and say, look, it's like this. right. That's what's honoring to the creative is to point them to the mutually shared values that the document is to support, but without crossing the line and doing the creating for them. Right. 
two, two people operating autonomously in the same space, as opposed to two people having control and say, collaborating to make it. Right, exactly. Right. Uh, from the bigger from the bigger picture that you referred to there a couple minutes ago, I think I think it's interesting to note um, that the sort of um, entire um, universe of time, if we look at it, uh, God and the Trinity worked to create, and then they put Adam and Eve in the garden, and they were there to work. Work clearly changed after Adam and Eve failed, but there was still work. We're working and we're going to work in heaven. So there's no end to work. Heaven is not where we all wear white gowns, play white harps and sit on a white cloud. It's a place where we work and our work in heaven and our position in heaven is going to have something to do with what the work we do down here. So this whole notion of people who you know, get up every morning to the alarm clock's warning, take the 815 into the city, is these these people need to understand that work has value to God and they need to be doing the thing that um, God made them to do. And then I think they might even enjoy work a little bit more than the current yeah. stats. And for the time being, we work in a fallen world. All right. I would, right. I'd, like, I'd like to... Um, to uh, take the, the conversation a little, a bit of a new direction. So, so Greg, we've been talking about convene, um, but we really haven't uh, talked about what it is and um, what you're seeing. What you know, what are the struggles, uh, you know, uh, uh, of integrating a spiritual life with a business life that um, uh, you and, and your colleagues are seeing at convene. What, what are people seeing in terms of what businessmen are doing with this and struggling through? Uh, as you interact with with interact with them through Convene. Yeah, well, maybe let's just go back for a second to the beginnings of Convene. It was started by a gentleman who was with one of the mission agencies called the Navigators that was helping people to understand their Bible. Uh, at Saddleback Church, he met an elder named Rick Green who was in a group called Tech, which is now called Vistage. So Vistage helped people with their businesses. And uh, this was in a church environment, Saddleback Church, which was not a, um, a big place like it is today with Rick Warren. <laughs> um, but it was just a little country church meeting in a high school. And here's this ministry guy and this business guy. So they said, what if we combine the notion of business and ministry and create a group that uh, brings both of these things together? Why? Uh, well, because business leaders are dealing with things like complexity, overload, blind spots, people challenges, faith integration, profitable growth. And they've learned how to deal with some of these things in their undergrad business program or the MBA program or uh, whatever way that they learn business. But the average business leader has not taken one single class about the theology of work. And I was in a meeting one time at Fuller Seminary uh, with some business guys. I kind of one of those moments you kind of look around the room and say, why am I here? And, you know, why did they invite me? Look at all these important people. And one of the important people was the vice chairman of Goldman Sachs for the world. And I asked him a question I thought would take a long time. And I said, Lord Griffiths, his name is Lord Brian Griffiths. I said, <laughs> what do you think is the most important thing for a business leader who's a Christian to understand? And uh, he said, simple. 
they need to understand the theology of work because once they understand that, everything falls into place. And that's what we're about at Convene. We're about saying, we want to help you make the most of your business. We want to help you integrate faith and work. We want to help you turn the Sunday stuff into Monday stuff so your business works better and it does so on a biblical platform. So as you do that, you're attracting people who already want to integrate the faith that they have, the Christian faith that they have with, with the work that they have to do. What are the kinds of challenges that, that are, they're bringing to the table when they join? Well, I think the thing that I see the most um, is people are feeling alone. I talked to a CEO the other day and he said, uh, it seems like all roads lead to me. I think I'm the, I'm the sticky wicket in my business. I'm not sure I have the skills. I'm not sure I see myself well. I'm not sure I'm managing my people well. I'm not sure if we're, you know, growing the way I want to grow. We wanted to grow 30% last year and now it's only 10%. And so the challenges that Christian CEOs face are no different than the challenges anybody else faces. But I think the thing they want to um, solve is a business issue. What they don't really know yet is that all roads lead to the theology of work. Once you understand all that, everything falls into place. So if we're leading and running things the way Christ would have us, the way that he designed it, then we're able to solve the problems that we have, whether it's a financial issue, a cash flow issue, a marketing issue, a personnel issue, uh, a strategic alliance issue, that, um, that these things clear the way for us to see clearly and make quality decisions and involve the right people. Yeah, and I would never want to say that, you know, once you understand the theology of work and you read your Bible every morning, you go to church and you're in a group that you solve all your problems, but you certainly would have a better perspective on all your problems. So I I can point to examples of business leaders who their business is not going well, but they are um, stable as individuals. Uh, or their marriage is not going very well, but they're stable as individuals. So when they close their eyes at night and ask the questions that everybody else does, you know, who am I? Why am I here? Um, what will happen if tomorrow morning they can answer those questions better from a biblical framework than if there was none? And I, I think my, my friends Henry Cloud and John Townsend got it so right in their book um, – how people grow, where they say in one of the chapters that it's doubtful that you can um, move in this area of sanctification and be improving and doing better and better and better as a leader, as a Christian, without being part of a community. Right. Theology doesn't sound like a practical word most of the time, but you're making it sound really practical. Can you help connect the dots for, let's take the the, the leader who said, all roads lead to me. I, I'm the sticky wicket in the business. How is theology of, of work going to help him lead any better in terms of outcomes? Well, um, I'm, I'm going to uh, say um, some things related to the theme of a conference we have coming up um, 
because I think it's 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 one of our most important events that we're ever going to do in the history of Convene, actually, uh, without overselling it. We've done about 10 of these conferences, and, and I think this one's going to be pretty significant. The whole notion, I think, is when you see God properly, when you see yourself properly, and when you see others properly, then things fit together better. So for this leader I was talking about, uh, when he sees himself as a fallible person uh, that can't do it right every time, uh, I remember some words that Andrew Murray uh, wrote in his uh, little uh, booklet. I can't remember which one right now, but when he wrote, and he said there's four, three or four stages of a Christian life. First one is, oh, this is great. I can do this. Second one is, oh, I can't do this. Third stage is, man, there is no way I can do this. I'm giving up. And the fourth stage is, oh, the only way I can do this is when the Holy Spirit empowers me. So if a Christian leader feels like they're failing and they're not relying on the Holy Spirit, understanding that the Holy Spirit is there to help them is a gigantic first step, right? Let's say they're seeing their employees as units of production instead of seeing their employees as people created in the image of God. Let's say that they don't see God as part of their business, but then they finally understand that the only way my business makes sense is for God to be a part of it, to honor God, to honor people, to help people, to pursue excellence, to grow profitably, only happens when you fit this all together on the platform of God's plan for mankind. And I'd like to jump in and ex- ex- explode a piece of that. So what does it mean for a person to be made in the image of God? It means, it means so much. And we, we hit, there are, you know, obviously books written on this. But, you know, one of it means is that people are incredibly capable. And they're incredibly creative. And they have a set of talents and gifts that are given to them to fulfill God's will for them. And so what's that mean for a, a leader? Well, the leader's got to get the right people on board that he needs, the people with the right talents, and give them room to express that, right? That, that's an implication of being made in the image of God. Um, it, uh, an implication of being made in the image of God is that a person responds to love, and they follow those who love them, and they withdraw from people who don't, Right? Um, but the other part of the Christian theology is people are fallen. Uh, and, you know, just last night I had a conversation with my family and I was, it was a rough day yesterday. And I, I said to my family, you know, I, our family has to be a place where we all know we're screwed up and it's okay. Yeah. And so for a leader to lead people, with a rightful theology says they're awesome and they're screwed up and I have to accept that and I have to take them for what it is and still require performance. Right. But that's an implication of, of that. And it's the kind of thing we talk about in business books, but it's, but the dignity that comes with it and the rightness that comes with it when you realize this is the order of things from God makes a big difference, I think. Yeah, I think um, that's exactly exactly right, Mike. Um, I think you can take any business problem 
and a road, a line, whatever you want to call it, can be drawn back to a biblical principle. So this notion that you just talked about, about people maybe uh, needing to be truthful and honest about the fact that they are not perfect. So if I, as a leader, purport myself to be perfect with my staff, uh, then I'm inapproachable and then I'm not correctable. And right away, that would fly in the face of a biblical principle that says individuals are not perfect. And the only way they can approach God is through his son, Jesus Christ. So we could take business problem after business problem after business problem, and we could ratchet them out with a a line drawn to a theological principle that is what we try to do and convene with our learning content is to continue to say to people in our groups every month, okay, we're going to learn from each other, but we're going to learn from this content as well that is going to say, who is God? Who am I? Who are others? And yes, how do we make sure our finances are intact? How do we do a great marketing plan? How uh, you know, do we make sure that the people resources are appropriately allocated? How do we build a great sales plan? But how do we do it all on a biblical platform? Mm. Yeah, so I'm really hearing two things there, Greg. I'm hearing that that uh, that Convene provides content on the one hand, which are principles, theology of work, uh, pr- best practices, this groundwork, this framework, and then it also provides uh, community. You talked about the person, uh, the, the typical leader now. That what was their biggest challenge? You said they, they're feeling alone. Can you speak more to that community aspect, that sort of council of many that that the group provides, and how does that? How is that helping business leaders uh, today? Yeah. So, um, again, a line can be drawn back to the um, the MO of Jesus where he decided he wasn't going to call 12 disciples to class every week. He decided he was going to live together with them for a number of years and they would do life together. So um, since we're not going to ask business leaders who run businesses to hang out together for three years, though that wouldn't be a horrible idea, uh, we say, let's get together once a month for a day and let's check in and see how we're doing in our marriage, in our family, uh, in our our self-identity, in our relationship with God. And then let's check in on our business. How's our finances? How's our marketing, et cetera? And then we would actually um, have a business problem that people would bring forward one at a time. And maybe in a, in a day-long meeting, three or four men or women CEOs would get to bring forth their business issue. It would be talked about, unpacked, questioned, and recommendations would be given. So that's that power of a triple braided cord, if you will, that is better than uh, one person banging their head against the wall saying, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Uh, Again, it's better to be in community. So what do you, what do you convene then? Do you convene uh, groups based on uh, the size of the business? So yes, we, we say that you're, you know, your business has to be bigger than X, a few million dollars. Unless your business is less than that, we have half-day groups for smaller businesses. But we're just going to begin a new uh, kind of get-together iteration of our work here now where we're going to say people that are over 
about 25 million plus are going to have a separate meeting where they'll get together to talk shop amongst themselves. So both are true that you can certainly learn from each other no matter what the size, but there are certain problems you want to work on uh, with people who are uh, your own size. So that's kind of convenient in a rather large nutshell. And then we got there because we're talking about, you know, why you joined Convenient, how you want to help people uh, integrate their their faith and their business. I think that, you know, there's a larger, you know, uh, picture for for just the everyday Christian or the everyday business owner who, um, and, you know, what is, what's the, the reason, the bottom line reason, why would a, why would a Christian business owner seek to really integrate uh, faith in their life in a way that's, you can't, you can't see where one begins and one ends. What's the, what's the bottom line for that? Yeah, that is the seminal question. It's a great question. It's a question I think about a lot. And here's what I think the answer If you look at the state of the church in China, Africa, India, things are doing well. If you look in the state of the church of North America, things are not doing well. We have got to call Christian CEOs back to be what God intends them to be, which is a pastor in their company. Now, I don't mean by that they're supposed to preach a sermon, but I mean by that they shouldn't hide their um, their faith under a bushel when they. So if we can educate and bring people together in community, Christian CEOs to understand what their role is in society, that, that Monday morning, millions of people are going to get up and go to work and they're not really going to be happy if we can get a couple hundred thousand Christian CEOs to say, I will pull back the covers on the meaning and purpose of life by identifying the source of my uh, life's meaning and purpose and value is God and let that trickle down to the employee base so that we can return dignity, value and worth to them. I think we could begin to make a dent in a downward slide of secularism in America and turn people back to the God who created them. So then, as this is a, as a, a kind of way of bringing this home, where do you see? A, you mentioned you know the faith and work movement really kind of kind of uh, came to life in the late seventies or or eighties. Where do you see it heading now? Well, that's you're you're good with great questions, Mike. That that's a great question. Um, I there's an emerging move on the part of a number of the faith work movements, the major ones, <clears throat> Christian Businessmen's Committee, CBMC, Fellowship of Companies for Christ, FCCI, C12, myself, the master's program, Bob Shank. And we're all beginning to actually talk to each other and know each other and say, how can we, in an aggregated basis, do this together instead of saying, well, isn't that nice? We went to the same city, held the same lunch to invite the same people to join our group. What if we said, I don't care what group you join, just join a group. I would love it if we could say five years from now <clears throat> that half of the Christian CEOs in America are in some group learning something instead of going it alone, learning nothing. And so the bigger picture 
in the movement is that the movement is starting to work together to create some meta goals. Yeah, and I think that's exactly what I see starting to happen in New York City. There's this movement of people uh, setting aside some of those territorial boundaries that often get inserted when when these these individual organizations act like competitive businesses. <laughs> they set that aside and they're saying, how can we be more collaborative? How can we be more supportive of each other? How can we find, you know, that that to win for me is not a lose for you, but a win for you is a win for me too. How can we how can we change that mindset? Um, and start really encouraging a greater movement uh, uh, beyond what our individual, you know, scope is as an organization, so that um, so that all God's people are are being motivated and and educated and inspired and and really um, acting out their faith in their work and and that's what excites me about about this movement is that it's not just local. It's not just a few organizations competing against each other for the same resources and same bodies in the room. Yeah, exactly right. And the the lose lose would be if five years from now the organizations that are at the helm of the faith work movement were not working together and the same number of adherents uh, were marching around the individual base camps. That would be a a bad state of affairs. So I think we can turn the tide. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Greg, for turning the tide of our thinking here on this subject, <laughs> because uh, I, I feel like you're, we've just uh, soaked up a lot of wisdom from many years of the work that you've been doing, of not only integrating faith with your work, but helping others to do that as well. Uh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you, Greg. Thank you so much for being our guest. Thanks for having me. You guys try to stay warm out there in the, the East Coast. <laughs> Hey, thanks for listening to WorkWise. Uh, just so you know, Convene is running uh, peer advisory boards for Christian executives. So if you're a Christian CEO or business owner and you're interested in joining a group to integrate your spiritual life with your business life, you might want to check out Convene. Uh, Mike Boys is the contact for the Baltimore area, and there are groups throughout the U.S. and Canada. So check the links in the show notes for this episode to Convene. And if you're not sure if a group is for you or you just want to explore this topic more through personal coaching, contact Mike or me and we'll be glad to help you out.